0: The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonalls and The Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Now we
1: are. Are we really on this time? We're really on. Hello? The Hello? In. See the- Is this thing on? Does this thing work? <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> 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 Hello, everyone. The Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio is sponsored in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at heathersfreeaudiobook.com and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MB3 player. Yes, yes. Uh, welcome, everyone. Thanks for stopping by. We're so glad to have you. I'm Heather Wagonhalls and I was flanked until he laid on the floor, my producer extraordinaire and the maestro of mula, Michael Terry. I'm
0: just trying to get a better level. Here,
1: there you go. It's all about the levels. I think he was petting the dog, but that's my own personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're gonna help you get your money mind right on today's show with the keys to richest financial philosophy. So, do you remember what this week's key is? Uh-oh.
0: See, re- uh oh, hope for the best, plan for the worst. There
1: we go. It is key six. Woo, ding, 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 ding. You are a wimble. Uh, we have a moolah word of the day, and it's an Uh, It's uh, R-O-I, and uh, we'll tell you how it's calculated. And uh, what's today's money drama?
0: Uh... I don't know we got we
1: got to make one up. Well, since you know our sister show this week at Unlock Your Wealth Radio, it's actually our mama show cuz like Yeah, that's the mama. That's, that's the mama. mama. That's We're the baby. baby. Yeah. So, uh, our our mama show <laughs> The Matriarch yes. at the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation, if you will, was the uh, frauds and scams special. Right. So uh, I think we could go along with that and we can use oh, yeah. our money drama to having to do with uh, preparedness or lack thereof when it comes to protecting your identity and avoiding frauds and scams. Yeah. That sounds good for a money drama, doesn't it?
0: That sounds great. I mean, I, I have a good one. It's, it's called Hang Up the Phone.
1: <laughs> 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 yes. And, and that's great And until we talk about what goes on. In today's show, in the brain, <laughs> then we'll see right. how you're systematically able to continue to hang out the phone.
0: And I'm an old coot, so it's, you know, I, all these years I've I've been suckered, so now I know better. So I right, well, let's hope you do. <laughs> and sometimes I just don't even, you know, thank God for ID. I mean, it's like...
1: Yeah, caller ID makes a big difference. That's for sure. <clears throat> so, uh, how about Moolah word of the day? Shall we? Yeah, what do you we wa- got? You want some Moolah word of the day? Well, it just blipped away on my screen because the lock thingy came up. Um, otherwise, I'd butt die the entire world if I didn't have that on there. Because I've, I, you know, I have it. If I if I just had the regular swipe thing, sometimes. You know, it, like shoving it in my pocket, my finger swipes it and then it's open and I'm butt dialing everybody. Hmm. Um, so I have to put the lock on because the likelihood of me wedging it in the pattern of the the uh, lock thing yeah. as it goes into my pocket is a lot less likely than the way it just swipes right open yeah. on the other yeah. way. Yeah. Kind of a funny deal. Anyway, ROI for our moolah for the day. It's not, it's
0: not a sushi place. <laughs>
1: Would that be K-O-I, koi, because that's a fish term? Yeah. Is ROI Roy, it's, it's the, the, the uh, second cousin yeah, to the koi. <laughs> In terms of this ROI, we uh, are talking about a return on investment. And uh, so, a return on investment is a measure of a corporation's profitability. Now, you can think in terms also of a piece of real estate, because it's going to have an ROI too. You just calculate it slightly different. Uh, So, an ROI uh, measure, it's uh, equal to the fiscal year's income divided by the common stock and preferred stock equity plus long-term debt, okay? So it's taking into account the price of the stock divided into the income to tell you what your your return is, Mm -hmm. okay? So what's interesting is, you know, ROA measures how effectively the firm uses its capital to generate profit, and the higher the ROI, the better. And since we're approaching... Key uh, 10, which is, remember, real estate, we're only on six, but it begs the point to talk about this because I mentioned real estate. So when you talk about return on investment and real estate, you need to do it differently. Whether it is residential or commercial, there are separate calculations to calculate ROI for uh, residential Properties versus commercial properties, which I think is dumb because the, the at the end of the day it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know what they're coming out with is it with a capitalization rate. You know, um, is kind of what they're coming up with, and and this cap rate is um, you know the income minus um, the value. And uh, or divided by the value, depending on which number you have, um, you come out with this cap rate. So it'll tell you like 6%, 8%, 10% or whatever. And that's just the relationship between the income and the value of the property, which is misleading because that's what people make investment decisions on all day long. Even expert real estate people make investment and, and advise their clients on, an, on investment decisions based on cap rate. And I think that that is totally ineffective, because you do want to know what the income is relative, you know, you know, the the performance, if you will, relative to the price of it. But the value is not necessarily the price you paid or how much you've actually invested. And that's what's kind of curious about ROI. And, and so when, when I'm talking with a person, you know, because that's not really ROI, you know, that's just telling you an income relationship. What you need to know, uh, when you're investing in real estate, because you're usually using a combination of your own money and leverage. So if you use, a, you know, that formula of cap rate, you come up with most of the times a single digit um return rate but if you invest, if you look at it that doesn't tell you how much you are getting back on your investment and just because a building costs a half a million or a million dollars that you rent out or that's what its current value is, doesn't mean that's what you've got into it. You know, likely you've got 20 or 30% invested into it. And so that's a, a more important number is to calculate is the cash on cash. How much have you paid in, you know, and then like your down payment, if you will. So you, how much skin do you have in the game? And then you use that to divide into your income, to come up with what your return is. It's called cash on cash. And it's uh, the it's more effective way to determine your return on investment because it doesn't matter what the value of the building is. If you didn't pay the value of the building, then who cares what the return is on that? Plus, your, your returns look more attractive because likely you'll be in double digits mm. because you've used the power of leverage to get there. So that's a that's my little tidbit. And that's my uh, the cash on cash. Folks, that's just bonus, not included in the price of today's show. Gravy. Yeah, it's the gravy. I do what I can. It's meat and potatoes. But today you got some gravy along with that. So anyway, do we want to get the meat and potatoes out of the way. We want to start talking about them, which is the key the key this week's key so for those of you who are joining us for the first time thanks so much for stopping by we're so glad to have you the keys to riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money so not only are you thinking like them but you're doing like them yeah that's what i like about this it also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit eliminate debt how fabulous Save and invest all while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And we do this one key at a time, one week at a time. So we can think about it, allow it to simmer, if you will, with all the other good stuff inside and then practically apply it so when the next week comes on, it just, each key builds upon the next. So we're at key six this week, so if you'd like the first five, please visit our website at keystoriches.com and you can download those or if you'd like to listen to them in concert with our other show, Unlock Your Wealth Radio, then just visit unlockyourwealthradio.com and then you'll get both of them. Two for the price of one. But if you're just interested in the financial philosophy, join us because it's an amazing trip through your mind and specifically your money mine, and and it's so great because we do biology based financial literacy and it's so much better and why is it better michael
0: well because you, you know the 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 old-fashioned budget stuff and white knuckling it and biting your fingernails doesn't work
1: well yes exactly it just doesn't work and it doesn't because let's face it we already know what to do don't we
0: It's like quitting drinking without going
1: to AA. There you go. See, so like nothing occurs in a vacuum. Once you create a space for something and you remove it, that space is still there. It may not have existed before the, whatever it is you created there, but once it's there and you take it away, now you got to fill it and usually fill it with something bad. Um, when we talk about habit replacement, uh, but ideally we already know what to do with our money, but we're not doing it. So it's not about knowing what to do with your money. Knowledge is superfluous without application because I know Mensa members that are homeless people. And so it's not relative to IQ. Right, you know, Mensa is the IQ club for smarty pants. Yeah. and uh, I would love to take I'm I would love to take the test to see if I can be in there because I was always in gifted classes and I and I know I have a pretty high IQ, mm-hmm. but I'm almost scared because like the older I get, I feel like I should know more and maybe I might not do as well as I did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, what am I going to make it? The fear <laughs> of rejection keeps me from going. But you know, well, yeah. But that has to do with today's episode, wouldn't you know? Fear. Yeah. Right? So the premise of this week's key has to do with how we process information. And this is a critical part of what we do. So we're going to talk for a moment because we haven't totally addressed this. I keep dancing around the three amigos and and I talk a little bit about it. But really, this key is the one where we kind of address it. To demonstrate the reason why we need to do what we do and hope for the best plan for the worst. Because the way the brain processes information is, first off, it's fascinating, but it has nothing to do with how you would naturally think of it as working. And we never really learn about learning in school. We just go learn. Not everybody can learn. Some people need to be taught how to learn. And so those are the people that usually struggle with class. And there's an expectation or this assumption that we process information and that these people are stupid because they can't figure it out. But yet they go on to be brilliant people. You know, I think of uh, one in particular, Robert Yates. Um, He never went to college. And uh, this man can tune an engine without any computers just by his. His ear, he is so sophisticated. He understands angles and math. Like I would pit him up against any math expert to come up with um, some sort of mathematical equation or physics you know or some sort of science sort of thing mm-hmm. i would totally bet on him over some you know harvard or mit trained engineer yeah. just because he might not have learned from a book but that doesn't mean he doesn't know how to do it and he applies what he knows yeah. and that's how he got to be known as one of the greatest engine builders of all time wow. you know um and um and yeah, and he's fascinating to talk to. I like, you know, I took auto shop, so I'm kind of a gearhead myself. So it's always fascinating to get to sit and listen to him, you know, about, you know, engines of the future and, and you know, what he sees where, where America and, and the world needs to be with regard to the environment and stuff like that. Um, and it's just brilliant, you know, and when you when you listen to him, um, uh, you're just be like, why aren't more people listening to him? Why aren't they doing what he wow. says? You know, because it's, it's truly smart, but you know, auto manufacturers probably wouldn't make a whole lot of money at it. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. that's part of the problem. You know, it's like, how, how, how do you, how do you do what's good for the world and satisfy, you know, cause if cars became, were able to last forever. You know, yeah. car sales would exponentially decrease sure. each and every year. So y- your only hope would be somebody would need a new car because they wrecked it or they became old enough to drive. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a fascinating stuff. Real
0: life uh, goodwill hunting,
1: right? Uh, well, I don't know that movie reference, so I don't think I saw that movie.
0: He was a, he was a, he was a genius that never went to college and, you know, he was just, you know, he, he was a janitor at MIT,
1: Oh really? And
0: he would sneak into the to the labs and and solve the solve the problems at night, and nobody could, nobody <laughs> knew who it was. And finally, oh, wow, uh, Matt Damon played Will.
1: Oh, it was him. Yeah, that was solving all the problems. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's very
0: cool. He never had an education, but he was just a natural born genius. Oh,
1: okay, so that's Robert. Yeah. Now his son is formally trained as an engineer, yeah. but. I would bet on pops any day, N- and not that not that Doug's not good because he's great. I mean, he has a whole line of products. He has a whole like you know Yates brand of yeah. automotive parts and stuff. But I'd still take the old man. <laughs> That's just me, you know. Cool. What do they say? Old age and treachery will outwit out- 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 youth and speed any day. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I'm for the old Asian treachery, you know, but ask me that 20 years ago, I might have had a different well, answer. I,
0: I appreciate your vote of confidence because I'm in that old age bracket. I mean, I'm always hoping that the young musicians of the world are going to oh. come back to us. You know? Well, you know,
1: I mean, I just had a guy pitch me to produce the show. I I haven't told you this yet, but, Uh um, he pitched me and stuff and, and he was trying to, to earn other business. And so he's like, you know, I could do audio engineering and I'm like, yeah, but are you an Emmy award-winning composer, (laughs) a multiple (laughs) award-winning composer? And he's just like, uh, the crickets were chirping.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm like, okay. And he's like, but you know, he's like, I could be very, very competitive and I'm like, how many? How many? Probably like try to save me money. I'm like, again, how many Emmys? How long yeah. have you been doing this? Like I'm older than you. Yeah. And you think you're going to outwit my guy? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all bye bye now. Thanks. Bye bye now. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, because. It, 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 Even if he was good at the mixing part, he doesn't have the body of knowledge or experience that you do. Right. I mean, it just makes no sense why somebody would trade youth and speed over old age and treachery. (laughs) I agree. Uh, You know what it makes me think of talking about that? It makes me think of those two Muppet guys. Remember the two Muppet guys? Sure. Oh, they were great. (laughs) That sat up in the booth, in the balcony. Yeah. And they were like... (laughs) And we just criticize all the acts. Yes, that was uh, I love those guys. Uh so anyway, back to the keys, shall we? Um Uh, So this week's key is about understanding how our brain works and then what we need to do to overcome the tendency for self-sabotage. You are listening to The Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment of today's show is sponsored in part by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown with their special offer for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners. Visit Keystoriches.com forward slash KeepMyID.org. IV to enroll and protect your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So, uh, when we think of this week's key, so we want to hope for the best. We always want to be optimistic. But then the objectivist inside me comes out and says we have to be realistic. And so, most people, and I think probably the best summation of how impactful this key is and what we do here at the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation was summed up by this girl after I did this presentation at the Urban Land Institute. You know, I always like to go around the room and ask everybody, all right, what one thing did you learn today that you didn't know before and you can't say anything anybody else said? So, of course, everybody wants to go first. <laughs> but it really pushes people. But but this yeah. is that last little thing that really helps people remember. And they're like, oh yeah, she did say that too. Like somebody else will come up with something that was yeah. meaningful to them. And she said, wow, she goes, what a relief this is. And I said, and how so? And she said, because I thought that I was always a logical being and that I was just allowing my silly emotions to get in the way of my decisions. And, and, and I kept punishing myself and feeling guilty for that. And and she said, this totally removes that burden. And I was thrilled. And so, so you can understand what that is, is that... The expectation is that we're logical people, that we're goodwill hunting, that we're like super brainiacs. Right. Um, And because, you know, we are the apex predator of the world right now. Not the universe, because there's aliens out there, I'm sure, that are coming to get us. (laughs) But as, as far as this world is concerned, we're at the top of the food chain, all right? And we can invent computers that think faster than us. However, just because we have that ability to reason and think critically and use logic doesn't mean that we do. As a matter of fact, we're biologically set up to fail at doing that first, because our brains aren't built that way. Our brains are built first in what I call the uh, three amigos model of information processing. So if we think of our brain in terms of three brains, which is usually how it's presented, although there's different lobes and areas of the brain, this is just going to be the most whitewashed, generic, introductory level explanation of how your brain processes thought. So we have three brains. I call them the three amigos. Because when they work in concert with each other, fabulous things happen. But if there's a little bit of chaos, it's like that movie, The Three Amigos, where they bumble yeah, around yeah, yeah. and <laughs> whoops, and they get kidnapped, and yeah, and they can't rescue the girl. And Mel Brooks, right? Uh, no, that wasn't Mel Brooks. That was um, it was Chevy Chase, uh, uh, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. what of
0: my thing. What was the Mel Brooks one?
1: Oh, he's got a, a lot Blazing of Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, that's yeah. what you're thinking of. The yeah. Three Amigos is uh, really, really funny. These yeah. guys were movie stars, and they lipped off to the producer, yeah. and they got fired, and then they go on a real adventure right. to save this town like they do in the movies, and it doesn't quite turn out so good. Uh, so the three are, um, uh, they live kind of like, think of row housing, <laughs> if you will, or, you know, like everybody has a room in the house. So the first room is occupied by the I do, and he's your first brain, your survival brain. And I call him the I do because he's the initial decision officer. It's all about taking action. There's no thought involved in this. And it's an instinctive response to either a stimulus you generate in your head, which is a thought or stimulus in your environment, which is something you see. Like, say, a saber-toothed tiger running at you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, And we have this natural negativity bias. Um, So we're always on the lookout for something bad to happen, just naturally, because that's how we protect ourselves. Uh, We're driven towards pleasure and away from pain. And we're driven mostly away from pain and some of the time towards pleasure. And I'll explain that in a bit, too. So the I do makes the first—he's the first responder, if we want to think in those terms. He's their first responder. He's the first guy on the scene. So uh, if he doesn't get torqued in one way or the other, either ex- towards extreme pleasure, like there's a naked lady standing in front of him, or away from pain, like the house is burning and the fires are in the fire is in his bedroom. Um, then he, uh, he's not he's not going to have you know an opinion one way or the other if it's neither of those things. So he lets whatever that stimulus is in to the house. So we go f- a little further down the hallway and we're in the second room. Of the house. And this is where the crazy curmudgeon lives. And I call him crazy because he's the emotional brain or our mammalian brain. And so he remembers stuff. This is memory and emotion. Okay. And so first we have a stimulus. All right. And then we have an instinctive reaction or not to it. And then if it gets past that critical filter, like we don't totally feel threatened, but then it gets to him. He can still have a response to it because he's now looking at this stimulus differently than the I do did because he's going to look at it from an emotional or memorial standpoint. So, something that's happened in the past, he's going to remember it and he'll be like, Oh no, this isn't good. When I, the last time I was surrounded by six people this close, I got hung up in a tree by my underwear in summer camp. You know, and so he's going to start being like, he's going to tap the idea on the shoulder and say, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, hey, come on, let's dump some hormone. Let's go. We got to go. Fight, freeze, or flee. Let's make it happen. Um, So then we're going to get catapulted into another direction Um, or like the naked woman. And we're going to, you know, take her, if you will. Uh, So. Uh, so he's going to remember, oh, the last time I was with a naked woman, it was pretty good. So I'm going to go yeah. check out this naked woman. Uh, so, so that's how he processes information. But again, you know, he's trying to keep us safe too. remember away from pain towards pleasure and the absence of pain can actually be pleasurable, especially mm-hmm. in cases of abuse. You know, not being hit feels pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be massaged on the other end of that spectrum. Right. If you think of it as a fluid spectrum, you've got being pounded on, not being pounded on, and then being massaged. You know, you don't necessarily have to be massaged, but you could definitely be happy without the pounding. You know, so so we got to think about it in mm-hmm. that way as a continuum. So, um, again, he exercises that negativity bias also. And then finally, if he doesn't get his feathers ruffled either towards pleasure or away from pain, then Logic Larry lives in the last room. And then he's allowed to come out and he's our critical thinker. He's where logic and reason exist. Okay, and now he can come out and he can make a decision based on this information. But... The problem is, is he's not completely objective because he's not seeing everything as it happened. He's seeing things based on how the eye do and the curmudgeon colored it. Yeah. So while he thinks he's being objective and impartial, he can only make decisions based on the information in front of him. And if they've filtered it in any way you're missing parts. And so he can only make decisions effectively if he has all the resources. So, um, So that's the challenge that we run into with him. But that's the process. If the first two get riled up enough towards pleasure away from pain, they just lock logic Larry in that closet and he doesn't get to come out. And what happens is your body dumps hormone and it moves blood to your extremities. It rushes it. It increases your heart rate so you can either um, run away or fight. Okay. Um, what happens when our boss yells at us and we would like to punch him out or run away and hide under our desks and we have to stand there and take it. We have all of that hormone dump, but we don't get to dissipate it. And that's what causes anxiety and stress, negative stress on the body. Yeah. Uh, And so when we talk about this, we we need to really talk in terms of the I do because he's the critical factor here in this because um, he can only uh, exercise a resource he has. So if it's not instinctive to run away from something, you have to pre-program behavior and have had it exercised enough times that it's embedded in the subconscious where you can do it automatically like driving like there was a point in your life where you didn't drive and now you do Okay. And so before you did, if you think about the process of learning and how hypervigilant you were, you were always like afraid of highway hypnosis. So you were making sure that you were scanning your gauges, your mirrors, you were looking down the road, you were right. looking on the sides right. of the road for animals to dart across, things like that. You know, So uh, he can only take action based on what's been programmed in. And if what's been programmed in is wrong, they weren't going to have a problem. But our biggest fear, and there's like some fears, hierarchy charts and stuff you can find on the website. But our biggest fear ideally is the fear of the unknown. There's things that we know and things that we don't know. And when we don't know, that's when we have problems. And how does that apply to our money management? Well, you know, we act like things happen to us. And, you know, sometimes we can be good at goal Setting, but goal setting is not goal achievement, as we talked about in our third key, dreams with deadlines. Um, and you can set a goal and you have a plan to achieve it. And a lot of people don't like to do Plan B uh, because um, they figure, like, nope, I'm all in. There's no such thing as failure, or failure is not an option. But your brain is still subconsciously, consciously worrying about all of these unknowns. Well, what'll happen if I lose my job or well, what'll happen of this and we worry about it but we don't do anything about it and so the key is to make that plan A and create that goal achievement strategy but we also have to have the flexibility in mind to make decisions about things that can materially alter our ability to achieve financial freedom and so we're going to have to think about the things that we don't want to think about because they're uncomfortable we don't do it because they're yeah. painful so we avoid it so we have to make decisions and think about you know the loss of, of Uh, an income producing spouse and not just necessarily their loss, maybe their incapacitation, the uh, care of an indigent parent. Okay. A special needs child. The list goes on and on. You're, a lame brother-in-law that flops on the sofa for three months and eats all your food, eats you out of house and home and pays no rent. You know, these are all things that we have to think about, because if we don't make decisions about this before the event happens, while we're calm, we're never going to get past the I do and we're going to have problems. And, uh, you know, you could tune into other episodes to hear how I uh, shared this when my editor was challenging me on how this key really functioned and played out because he didn't understand the value of it until I asked him, so your wife and... And I, or you and your wife have talked about moving in, uh, the mother-in-law when she gets sick. And he was like over my dead body. And I'm like, I don't think that that's the plan. <laughs> And then he all of a sudden saw the value of this. So, for your key statement, key affirmation, and key action items for hope for the best, plan for the worst, and more in-depth interviews with money experts, strategies, and members-only tools to fix your credit and get out of debt and have more money and happiness, do what other savvy listeners have and visit our sister site at unlockyourwealthradio.com, where you go to get your money mind right so your wealth and happiness will follow. For the keys to riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio and the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonholz. now go out. Unlock Your Wealth today.
0: UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2016 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches financial wellness series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.